Hi, this is Felix Chimeranyika, lead pastor of Kairos Christian Center in Lelonga, Malawi. I am happy that you have joined us for the Kairos Lelonga podcast, and I believe God is going to inspire you and break you through into your kingdom destiny as you hear the word unpacked. This is your Kairos moment, God's appointed season for your kingdom breakthrough. When you are weak, you are strong. When you are weak, you are strong. The story is told about a certain 10-year-old boy who had lost his left hand in a tragic accident. Sometime his parents uh, thought it wise that he should join a sport. And so he started you know, uh, practicing judo. And he had a, a, he had a sensei, a teacher. And this teacher would just teach him one technique. So months and months went by. And he was mastering that technique. He got so good at it. That the sensei decided. We should join a tournament. So he went to the tournament. Fought against somebody. Won. Ended up winning the tournament. And then they entered a regional uh, tournament. Again, he, he fought with the first guy and all the way to the end he won the tournament. And then he started asking his sensei, his Sensei, how is it that I'm winning? How is it I win against all these people with two hands? He says, listen, number one, the technique I've taught you is one of the most difficult ones in judo. And then number two, for anybody to defend themselves against that technique, they should grab your left hand. Remember, the left hand was and so that's why you're winning you are winning because of your weakness they cannot grab a left hand that is not there hallelujah Amen. and you know sometimes that's the way God works with us in fact I say that's the way God works with us our weakness is used by God to bring about our strength. And the truth of the matter is this. For a person that is a believer in Jesus Christ, your weakness is your strength because God works in it. Let me say it again. When you are weak, you are strong because God is working in you. Can you tell your neighbor? First of all, tell him, wake up. And then tell them this. When you are weak, I'll say it with strength. When you are weak, you are strong. Because God is working in you. Tell the other neighbor. When you are weak, you are strong. Because God is working in you. 
And so how is God working in you? When you are weak, so that you are strong. Here's something about your weaknesses, our weaknesses. Number one, your weakness prevents your conceit. Your weakness prevents your conceit. Your weakness helps you that your success does not go to your head. And that you lift yourself up and start thinking that you're all that. So remember again when Paul is writing this letter that he's writing against people that are doubting his apostolic authority. Those that are saying oh he's a weak guy. He's really strong in his letters. But when when you find him in person he's a weak guy and so Paul is writing starting from chapter number 10 trying to explain the nature of his apostolic authority and also to warn those people in the church at Corinth that are against him that he's going to come and he's going to deal with them and so since chapter number 11, Paul has been boasting. But you see, Paul, Paul doesn't like boasting because he sees it as foolishness. But he's forced to boast because the people at Corinth are comparing him to these other fake apostles. And so in a sense, he's trying to play their game and show that, look, this is what God has done for me. So watch verse number one. It says, I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by it. In other words, he doesn't see it as something important. It's not something that he does. But he must do it so that there can be a proper comparison. He says, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told. Which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except at my weaknesses. Now watch this. Paul is saying, I know a man. Is he talking about somebody else? No. He's really talking about himself. But the thing about it is because he doesn't want to boast. So he, he doesn't want to say, you know, this is what happened to me. So he's putting it like a third person when in reality it is himself. And watch what he's boasting about. He says it's revelations and visions. And he says, this person in himself was caught up to the third heaven. 
Now the, Jew, the Jewish understanding was that the first heaven is this atmosphere around us, around the earth. And then there's a second heaven where the principalities and the power dwell. This is where the satanic forces are in. And then there's the third heaven which is where God and Jesus and the angels are. That's why Paul can say in Ephesians far above every power every principality because it's the third heaven above the principalities in the second heaven. So he says I know a person that went up to the third heaven whether he was in the body or whether he was in the spirit he says I don't know. And that's the nature of spiritual experiences isn't it? Sometimes you're not too sure whether you are really there or whether you are just picturing it but somehow you were there he says only God knows and he says this man entered into paradise now, now, now paradise is also understood as the third heaven and it is understood at least in Jewish understanding that it was paradise that the kingdom is going to bring into the earth in other words these are deep mysteries he has seen and heard. And he says he heard things that a person ought not to utter. Do you, be, do you remember in Revelation or in Daniel? They are told that, listen, don't write this down. No, don't write that. Because the time has not come. So he was told things that were not yet to be revealed, maybe. But definitely things that a person was not supposed to utter. I'm sure you've heard those stories of people that have died. Went to heaven. And then they came back. And they saw heaven. And they saw hell. And how we so flock to them. We want to, see, we want to hear what it is that they saw. Because we're, we're taken up by such revelations. And so Paul is very careful. To say that, listen, I'm not boasting. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm just telling you the truth. You know, in Africa here, we're, we, we, we're very taken up by stories like those. You know, he died. He went to hell. And he came back. And here's the revelation. Oh, he's come back with power. <laughs> so he says. In verse number six, though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool. For I'll be speaking the truth. In other words, Paul is saying, I'll be saying things that I saw. I wouldn't be saying what somebody else saw. But I refrain from it. So that no one may think more of me than he sees in me. Or hears from me. Watch Paul now. He says, listen, uh, but I don't like talking about this. Because I don't want people thinking of me more than I actually am. So that somebody may not think or see me. 
than I really am. I don't know if you're seeing the difference between Paul and the fake apostles. The fake apostles want to impress you. The fake apostles want to make you know that they, they have this close relationship with Jesus. That they're on a, like a first name basis with God. But they have a direct line to God. And that they, 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 they are really the answer to your problem. Because you see, if you have to wait in line for God to answer you, they, they can take you by the back door. Because they know how to get to God. No, Paul is not like that. He says, listen, I don't even want to talk about this. I don't want you to come at a place that you think of me up there. But isn't that what we love in Africa? To have leaders that we think are up there. Powerful God. All dreams. Always hears from God. When he comes and at the meeting, he will tell you oh, this, this, uh, last night as I was praying. <laughs> the, an angel of the Lord came to me. And he told me such, such, such a thing. And then the following day, an angel of the Lord came. And he said such, such a thing. And everybody is wowed. Checking up. Taken up. Paul says, I don't want that. I don't want you to see me or hear me much more than who I am. A humility, isn't it? That's a humility, isn't it? Because he can cash in on it, isn't it? He can make money from it. Watch what he says, verse number seven. So to keep me from being considered, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming considered. So watch. He says, God, didn't want me to get conceited. Didn't want me to get at a point where I think of myself more than I actually am. And here's what God did. He gave me a thorn in the flesh. A thorn in the flesh. Now that's a phrase that comes from Numbers chapter number 33. In verse number 55, God tells Israel that because of their disobedience, he has allowed, he will allow the enemies that they will be like a thorn in the flesh because they are not moving into the destiny that he has for them. That's the background of it, at least from the Bible. So others have said it could be it's actually a sickness that Paul had. It's in the flesh. Well, you know, we don't know. People are sleeping. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, I'm not sleeping. Hallelujah. Watch, watch, watch. So he says, to keep him from being conceited, 
messenger of Satan was sent. God sent a messenger from Satan. I don't know if you're catching this. You see, some of you are binding things you can't bind. You're praying against things you can't pray against. Because there are some things God himself sends. He sends a messenger from Satan to do what? To harass him. To harass him. To stop him. To stop him moving forward. Watch again. Watch again. A messenger of Satan to harass me. To keep me from becoming considered. Do you think this messenger of Satan was coming and giving him Bible verses? Well, this messenger of Satan would come and say, I hear you need money. Here is money. I'm a messenger from Satan. No, no, no. Satan is the enemy. So a messenger from the enemy is bringing trouble. He's bringing trouble. He's not bringing nice things. And we're told that all that so that he may not become conceited, that he sees himself more than who he is. Hallelujah. Some of us are fighting God. We're fighting God. We're praying against God. Satan's messenger to harass us. Well, you know, I thought I was going to hear that we're all going to get rich. Maybe you use a different Bible, but the Bible we use here, it actually tells us that God is more interested in me, in my character, than the things he wants to give me. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what he's more interested in. He's more interested in you than what's yours. So he has this great revelations. Powerful revelations. But here is his danger. He can become conceited. Or oh, you can be very talented. You can be very intelligent. You can be very skilled. Your danger is that you can become conceited. And so at times God will allow Satan to come and put a stumbling block on you so that you can remember it's not about me so that you can remember it's not by your great power so that you can remember that it is God who has helped you to do that thing. Your weakness prevents your conceit. Okay, so what's the big deal with being conceited? It's called pride. And pride comes before the fall. And you know this Satan, this Lucifer, his sin was the sin of pride. He wanted, us, he wanted to ascend to the throne of God. A creature wanting to become the creator. I mean, have you ever thought about it? 
If you took the position of God. And to be in charge of everything. I mean your silly little life is hard enough to manage. Your little family is hard enough to manage. Your little country. With 54 years of dependence. Is, it's still hard to manage. How much more the whole universe. And so you can come at a point that you think, oh, because I'm skilled, because I'm, I'm talented, because I'm intelligent, oh, then I am this. It's like a child with a balloon. And happy with the balloon. And then the friend comes along with a pin. And then, psh. See, that's what God's got to do to us. To put us in the real place. That's what your weakness is about. That's what your lack of money is about that's, that's, what, that's what the lack of a wife or a husband is about That's what the lack of, of money or opportunities is about God does not want you to come at a point where you're conceited. Satan right there. And his job you make sure you don't make progress. Why? <laughs> because God has decided that he would rather have you than a conceited you. Your weakness <laughs> prevents your conceit. Number two, your weakness perfects your power. Perfects your power. Here's a formula. The greater the weakness, the greater the power of God on you. The greater the weakness, okay, maybe it sounds out there. The greater the poverty, the greater the power of God in you. Mm -hmm. The greater your trouble, the greater the power of God can work Listen to what Paul says. Verse number 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. That it should leave me. Now, Paul is a person that prays. In chapter number 12, or is it chapter number 14, of 1 Corinthians, he told the Corinthians, listen, I pray in tongues more than all of you. So, so we know that Paul prayed a lot. Now Jesus taught about prayer. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall open. For everybody who asks, receives. Everybody who seeks, finds. Everybody who knocks, the door opens. So you can see the levels here. Asking, seeking, knocking. Three levels. Paul pleaded with the Lord. Paul pleaded with the Lord. No, he, he, he didn't just ask. He pleaded. And he pleaded. And he pleaded. 
Now this is a prayer warrior if there was ever a prayer warrior. I mean I want you to give this yeah, because some of you you are being lied to. But no, it's because you're not praying enough. Mm. Some of you are being lied to. No, no, you, you need to do an Esther fast. Three days, Esther fast. Esther fast. Three days without water, without food, and you could have catch your breakthrough. Oh, my friend, my friend, there are some things, even if you were to fast and die and come back from the dead, they would still not be answered. Because here is one of them. He says he pleaded with the Lord three times that it should leave him. So he cried out to God, Lord, give me a job. Look at this poverty, Lord. I need a job. Lord, give me a job. Went to Bunda Mountain. Give me a job. Here's the anointed answer from God. Verse number nine. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. <laughs> Excuse me, is that an answer? It's a heavenly answer. He says, listen, my grace is sufficient for you. You see, when you're in that, pl in that place of lack, when you're in the place where things are not working out for you, what sustains you is his grace. Oh, come on. Some of you, you didn't know where the food was going to come from. All of a sudden, food came to you. You didn't even have a job. You had no place to get money. Somehow God took care of you. My grace is sufficient. No, but I want 20 bags of maize. Uh -uh. My grace is sufficient. So we'll give you what you need today. And then tomorrow we'll get you something. And else. then another day we'll get you something. Because in this season that you're in, uh, there's an angel I have sent from darkness. Do you know the devil is God's devil? Some people are so scared of the devil. All that belongs to God. God controls it. Hallelujah. Many. So he says, My power is made perfect. My power is complete. It completes in weakness. So in other words, if you want more of my power, if you want to experience me in a greater way, here's what should happen to you. You should come at a place where you are so weak. Where you can't do anything. Where you've tried everything and you've failed. Where your friends have run away from you. And your back is up against the wall. And, and you don't know what else that you can do. Says, at that point, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. And my power is made perfect. And so Paul says, therefore I will boast all the more 
gladly of my weaknesses. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Then I am content with weaknesses. Insults. Hardships. Persecutions. And calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Watch, watch the upside down thinking of Paul. That in the calamities, in the persecutions, in, in, the, in the weaknesses, in the insults, I'm going to rejoice because I know that in those things that bring weakness to me, then I am strong. Do you know for some of us, we wouldn't have become Christians if it wasn't for some hardship. We wouldn't have come to God if it wasn't for some calamity that happened to us. But actually the thing that was meant to break us is actually the thing that has birthed us. Oh yeah, the devil meant to break you, but that was your birth into the kingdom. Friend, understand. Understand, the troubles you are going through, they are not meant to be bound. Please pray for me, Pastor. I need this, I need that. I, need I think now I'll start asking, Jesus, what kind of trouble is this? Is this something you have sent? Because you see, if it's something he has sent, I can pray. I can pray until I have gray hair all over my body. It will never be answered. Hallelujah. Let's catch this one. Because many of us are coming to church for the wrong reasons. You think Jesus is your singer. You think Jesus is your super. Some magic thing. And it's there to, to, to work things out for you. And that if, if you take Jesus with you, then you're going to be successful in your business. Take Jesus with you. You're going to pass the exams. Take Jesus with you. Then you're going to get a job. You are lying. You have the wrong Jesus. This Jesus yes, so you wants you. to process you. Wants you. Wants to bring you to the place where you can be in trouble. Where your mother has died. And you can say thank you Jesus. Yes. Because his power is made perfect. This is not for plastic Christians. That you put them in the fire. They melt. Tell your neighbor, I hope you're not a plastic one. Listen, God is building an army. He's building an army. He's building a people that will stand in the fire and they will still worship him. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who went into that fire and they said to Nebuchadnezzar, Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, you can put us in there. We will not bow down to your statue. 
Because we know our God will rescue us. But even if he doesn't, you see some fools stop at our God will rescue us. Because they just love the God will rescue you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, you didn't catch it. It's okay. They said, even if he doesn't save us, we won't bow down. Even if we're going to die believing in him, it's okay. Because he is greater than our lives. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what is going on here. You see, your weakness perfects your power in God. And so Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. Please, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop feeling sorry about your situation. Stop feeling sorry for you. It's not about you. It's about what he wants to do in you. He wants you to come at a point that you can still see him in the midst of your poverty, in the midst of your, of your being an orphan, in the midst of things not working out for you. He wants you to have a contentedness. Christ in me, the hope of all glory. Tell your neighbor, it's not about your situation. It's not about your situation. It's not about your situation. Your weakness proves your genuineness. It proves that you're real. It, it proves that you will persevere in trouble. Remember what Jesus said? He who perseveres until the end will be saved. And so who's the one who's going to be saved? The one who perseveres until the end. In fact, who's the one who's saved? The one who perseveres. So the one that is saved will persevere. If the one says I'm saved but does not persevere, that one is not saved. The perseverance of the saints. And so weakness becomes the testing ground of whether you are for real. Ask your neighbor, are you for real? Watch verse number 11. I have been a fool. You forced me to it. For I ought to have been commended by you. For I was not at all inferior to these super apostles. Even though I am nothing. So watch again. Paul is talking about this bragging as being a fool. And he says if there was anybody who was going to commend me or who was going to say that, you know, he's a real apostle. It should have been you, Corinthians. Remember Paul planted this church? He planted that church with Priscilla and Aquila helping him. Apollos came. 
Christian that church powowfully helped by Priscilla and Aquila to know the way of truth properly because he was preaching messages from John the baptizer. They showed him the gospel, okay? And Paul himself says in chapter number 4 of 1 Corinthians that even though you have many guides you have one father because I bore you in the faith in Jesus Christ. And so he says, if there's anybody that can vouch for me, it should be you. But they are taken up by the super apostles, by the fake apostles. They see the credentials of the, of the fake apostles. And they are saying that no, Paul is not as powerful as these apostles. And so Paul says, the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience with signs and wonders and mighty works. Now watch this. It's the signs of an apostle. In the original you don't have true. But here it's because they're trying to show that this is a reference to Paul, the true apostle. But it could also be to say that the apostles are only those that were the 12 apostles of Jesus. And then Paul. And then Barnabas. And then James. And maybe one or two more. Because the idea for some people is that apostles are only the twelve. Twelve and these are the few. But when you read this, you get the idea that Paul is not arguing to say he's a, like a true apostle or part of the twelve, but he's arguing to say that the marks of an apostle, they were shown amongst these disciples. I mean amongst the Corinthians. You have different groupings of, of apostles in the New Testament. You have the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And those 12 are representation of the elect people of God, Israel. That's why when Judas killed himself, betrayed Jesus and killed himself, the other apostles replaced Judas with Matthias because they had to keep the number 12. Because 12 is the number of Israel. Jesus did not want to have 13 and 14 and 15. Because that would not have been symbolic of Israel. And so to say that Paul is part of the 12. Barnabas is part of the 12. And so you have 12 plus 4 other persons. You are missing the symbolism of 12. In any case, if the apostles were just about to say 18 apostles, would it be possible to fake them? 
I mean, everybody would have known the apostles. And would have known you. You're not an apostle. What's your name? How? You're not an apostle. But there are people that are being thought of as apostles. Because this is a larger category or a different category of apostles than the twelve. And so Paul says, We're not the marks of an apostle or signs of an apostle shown amongst you. Shown with at most patience. With signs. This is in the kilo. Wonders and mighty works. Now again, this doesn't mean that only apostles do signs, wonders, and mighty works. We find Philip in Acts doing mighty works. He wasn't an apostle. Stephen in Acts doing mighty works. He wasn't an apostle. The fact that you, you can do miracles today does not make you an apostle. Do you know you can do miracles? Do you know you can do miracles? You can pray for the sick and they can be healed. You can pray for the dead and they can be raised. Do you know God can use you for miracles? God can use anybody. That doesn't make them an apostle. An apostle is somebody that is sent on a commission. And Paul tells us that his role was to lay the foundational revelation of Jesus Christ. Foundational revelation of Jesus. So that a church is birthed. And that church is a mission-minded church. That hits at the gates of hell. And the gates of hell don't prevail. That's what an apostle does. So Paul says, listen. All these things were done amongst you. And he says, for in what were you less favored than the rest of the churches? Except that I myself did not burden you. In other words, he's saying, the only difference with the other churches is that I didn't burden you by asking you to pay me to take care of my needs. I didn't burden you like that. And so he says, forgive me. I mean, it's ironic, isn't it? The whole point is saying, okay, forgive me for not asking you to give me. But watch. The weakness that Paul finds himself in becomes the place where he is proven to be a genuine apostle. The weakness that you are going through becomes the platform at which it is shown that you are a real Christian. See, oh, you won't know a Christian because they come to church on Sunday. You won't know a Christian because they tithe and they give. You won't know a Christian because they shout hallelujah. You won't know a Christian by all these things. No, no, no. Their genuineness is seen in their time of trouble. Will they still 
Do what God has called him to do. Number one. Your weakness what? Number one. I thought you were taking notes. Prevents your conceit. Number two. Your weakness. Perfects God, your power. Number three. Your weakness. Proves your genuineness. And number four, your weakness. Your weakness. Portrays your love. In other words, it shows that you love God. You love God's people. Verse number 14. Here for the third time. I am ready to come to you. And I will not be a burden. For I seek not what is yours but you. For children are not obligated. To serve up for their parents. But parents for their children. So watch this. He's saying I'm coming. But I'm not going to be a burden. I'm not going to ask you to give me. You don't have to take care of my expenses, he says. And here's why, he says. It's because I seek you, not what is yours. Oh, do you know, many of us pastors today, we seek what is yours, not you. What is yours, what do you have? What can you give? Not Paul. Not Paul. Real apostles, real pastors are more interested in the people and what, and what God is doing in them. Church, watch out. God is not about building eh? God is not about a building. No. God is not about a piece of land. A piece of land is nothing. If people are not being changed and people are not being saved. Tell your neighbor, say amen. 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 Because you're acting like I'm lying. I'm not lying, it's true. It's very true. God is not interested in people. Paul says, I seek you. I seek you. So don't just give your money. God doesn't need your money. God wants you. He wants you. He wants your time. He wants your everything. Then afterwards we can talk about the money. But first you. So Paul says, it is you that are sick, not that, is not that which is yours. And then he says, in any case, children ought not to lay up for the parents. But it's the parents laying up for the children. Hey, look at the papas today. It's the nanas that are always giving to the papas. I think nana is opposite of papa. Don't you think? And so the papas are always eyeing the nanas. Paul is saying, no, Papa. You are the one that takes care of the nanas. We have it upside down. People have it upside down. And they have it upside down because it is demonic. It's of this world. 
As far as Paul is concerned, it is about the lives of people. And if there is anybody who is supposed to take care of somebody, it's supposed to be the fathers taking care of the children. Hey, but we're a generation that's always been abused with abusive parents that always want, want, want with leaders that exist that, that exists to get from us. True leadership is servant leadership. You are a leader to serve people. In Malawi, sorry. In Africa, I'm sorry to say, much of the leadership it's about the followers existing for the leaders. So they can rape the resources of the country. The ones that are getting rich in Malawi are the civil servants. Everywhere else in the world, at least in the developed world, the civil servants are the actual servants that don't get that much money. But here, it's become a way of getting rich. You want to get rich and you don't have much of an education and, and, you, and you can't do anything much or try and run for politics. I know I'm going to get in trouble right there. But it's okay, it's very true. But that's because leadership is understood as let me be an MP so I can get money. Oh, we thank God there is a reform in the electoral law. There is a reform in the electoral law that says that parties should not just be giving handouts. Mm -mm. But you see, it works into this idea that a leader exists or the people exist for the leader. We have it in church too, isn't it? Isn't it? We have it in church too. Look, if the church is messed up, the world will be messed up. If the church does not show servant leadership, Malawi will not have servant leadership. If in the we have papas that are always skimming off their nanas, in the nation we'll see the very same thing. And so we should not be surprised. 80% Christian in Malawi, but still 54 years of dependence. Not independence, dependence. Why? It's all about the papas. Or oh, Paul is turning this around. He says that's, that's not the way it works in church. It's the fathers laying up for the children. And he actually says, I'm going to spend myself for you. Verse number 15. I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. I will most gladly work for you. I will do everything I can to ensure that you move forward in the kingdom. And he says, if I love you more, am I to be loveless? 
you know the, the least loved you know the least loved people in the churches the least prayed for people in the church are the pastors eh? it's almost like the, the, the pastors love so much and care so much and pray for so much but very few very few nanas are going to be pray, to be praying for the papas it shouldn't be like that. That's what Paul is saying here. If I love you more, am I to be loveless? If I love you more than the fake apostles, should I be loveless by you? Can't you speak a word of commendation for me? A word that says, that, no, he's a great apostle. No, he's not fake. Oh, no, he's not weak. But here's what they're saying. Watch verse number 16. Verse 16. But granting that I myself do not burden you. I was crafty, you say. You say. And got the better of you by deceit. So here's what they're saying. Okay, he didn't take a salary from us. He didn't take any money from us. But here's what he's doing. He's using that to his advantage. Remember Paul earlier had told them that they should be keeping money, they should be setting aside a money, a money every week. Because it was supposed to be for the Jerusalem church. And so it seems they're saying here, no, he doesn't want to be getting a salary from us. He doesn't want us to be helping him. Because he's eyeing the offering that's going to Jerusalem. It's all going to be his. He's taking advantage of us. Do you know you have sons of Belial like that in the church? Eh? That thing that, oh, you know, that money, oh, all that money, pastor takes it. What does he do with the money? Maybe we get more money. Sons of Belial. May your money perish with you. In Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> So he says, you are saying I'm taking advantage of you. Verse number 16. Verse, verse six, number 17. Verse 17. Did I take advantage of you through any of those whom I sent to you? I urged Titus to go. And send the brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not act in the same spirit? Did we not, did we not take the same steps? I mean, when you go into the background, that's when you start realizing, hey, this man is shouting. You think we're taking advantage of you? And yet here I am, Paul says, that I'm sacrificing for you. And I love you. There's no way I can be taken advantage of you. Here's the interesting thing I've seen in the church. The leaders that don't love exploit their followers. And those followers 
somehow think very highly of their leaders. The, the leaders that love and don't exploit are not really obeyed by their followers. I tell you, some of you should move from here and you go to some crazy place, some crazy church. We will hear you are giving 100,000 That's what happens. It is happening. When they leave, you start wondering, ah, you wouldn't tithe. But now you are platinum member. Platinum member. And you're giving 200,000 every month to the man of God. Interesting. It's happening. You see, weaknesses, they portray your love. It is in that time when things are not working out for you that it will be seen. This one really loves God. This one really loves himself or herself. Tell your neighbor finally. Weakness provokes your ministry or provides your ministry. In other words, it is that place where you are weak. That place where things are not working out for you. That God is using to make you to edify other people. Verse number 19. Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? It is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ and all for your building, beloved. So you think all this time that we've actually been defending ourselves. That we are here to defend, no, 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 we are, we are, we are real apostles. He says, no, 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 no. We are speaking in the sight of God. We are speaking in the sight of God, and we are speaking in Christ. And he says, this we are doing for your own building. See, the real minister the real minister is one that is there to upbuild the flock. Now, upbuilding may not always be nice. You know, some people say stuff like, You should rebuke me nicely. You should have rebuked me nicely. Yeah, but you are being rebuked. So how can somebody nicely rebuke you? No, rebuke is rebuke. Rebuke is not nice. Amen? But you know what rebuke does? Rebuke actually builds you up. Here are some fools. There are some fools who think that they'll get here 
That you need to be taken to the higher level. Unless this level is stupid to you. You are happy on this level. You never move to the next level. So a building is not always nice. Yeah, I don't like this church, man. We didn't want any part of that. So when your teacher rebuked you, did you want to go into that class anymore? I mean, so, so who's going to suffer if you don't go into that class? And if you don't write the exams, who's going to suffer? Your teacher is getting his salary, man. And the kids are marching for him so that he can get some more money. But that's the truth of the matter, isn't it? Here's the truth. Some of us are where we are because of the struggle we had in standard two with authority. We had a struggle with authority. We did not want to be rebuked. And so because we did not want to be rebuked, we still don't want to be rebuked. And so when somebody comes along who is on this level and can see through this level and all the mistakes on this level and they tell you that no, you can't do it like that, you get angry and you lose the chance to change. And yet, they were trying to abuse you. They were trying to abuse you. Here's what I want you to catch. Building you up is not always nice. In fact, any process of growth is usually not nice. It's not usually nice. Grow, try and grow a tooth. Policy. What we were doing is we were doing in boldness and doing it so that we can upbuild you. Beloved. So he says, because I fear two things. One, he says, for I fear that perhaps when I come, I may not find you as I wish. And that you may Find me not as you wish. That perhaps there may be quarreling. Jealousy. Anger. Hostility. 
slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. So he's saying, I'm, I'm fearful that when I show up there, I won't find you like you should be. I won't find you walking with Christ. And that you won't find me as the kind of apostle you want me to be. I fear there's going to be slander. There's going to be all these things. If you are continuing the same way you are continuing, if you don't change when I come, I fear we may not like each other. Because you see, in chapter 13, Pastor Patrick is going to preach. Paul has threatened. Should I come with a rod, with a whip? <laughs> so he's not coming as Mr. Nice Guy. Uh-uh. And that's why he's sending this letter. So that they are warned ahead of time. Here's his other fear. I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you. And I may have to mourn over many of those who sinned earlier. And have not repented of the impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality that they have practiced. Here's his other fear. I fear that when I come, God is going to humble me. To embarrass me in your presence. Because you see, I'm going to cry when I see those that sinned earlier still walking in their sexual morality, still walking in their sensuality, still walking in their impurity. I'm going to cry. Wow, look at this guy. He loves this church so much that when he sees sin in their lives, he, he cries for them. And he's thinking, if I don't deal with this now, that when I come there, you not have gone through the process of repentance. So watch his weakness. He's being called weak. He's being called even a fake apostle. Is resulting in a platform on which now he's able to minister to those people. Here's something that we don't talk about much. That the problem that you're going through sets you up to be a person that can help somebody else in that problem. Paul has spoken of, of it already in chapter number one. He says that the, the, uh, thanks be to God who comforts us in all affliction so that with the same comfort we have been comforted we can comfort you. Here's what God is trying to do in your weakness. He wants to comfort you in your weakness so that with the same comfort he has comforted you you can comfort somebody else. Now, tell your neighbor you're not, still not catching You're being an orphan. 
and that God has come into your life. And that he, you, you have felt that, no, you are my father. Because God says, I'm the father of the fatherless. He says, even, even if you've left behind father, mother, and land, when you come into the kingdom, He'll provide to you 30-fold, 60-fold, even 100-fold, mothers, fathers, lands. That's what Jesus says. And so you have come into the kingdom. And you now know God is a father. God comforts you. That becomes the place where you can comfort somebody else. You see, somebody has never lost their spouse. They've never lost their wife or their husband. But, but, but you, yes, you are a widow. But guess what? You can speak to somebody that has lost a husband. Me, me, I can give them verses. That's all I can do. I can give them nice sounding words and theology. It won't help them. They want somebody that has lived through that and come out the other side that has become victorious to be the one that tells them listen here's how we walk in this here's how we pray through this here's how you cope with this whole thing your weakness has now become a place of ministry oh I don't know what your weakness is I don't know what trouble it is that you're going through I don't know if it's money maybe it's your business not working out I'm here to tell you, it could be God set up to get you onto the other side, to let you experience him, so that when you come onto the other side, you can tell another businessman. Listen, God will see you through. God saw me through. Here's what you ought to be doing. This is time to be praying. This is time to focus on God. And guess what? Somehow God is going to bring these pieces together. That's what the weakness is about. You are not a victim. Some of us have identified ourselves with our problems. And we see ourselves through the lens of our problems. To the point that we have become a problem. No, that's not the way of God. God wants to take you through that thing. He wants to take you to the other side. He wants to let you know the trouble you're going through is training. He's training for reigning. That's what the trouble is about. Tell your neighbor, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Tell him God is processing you. God is processing you. He's making you stronger. He's making you stronger. What doesn't kill you just makes you stronger. Oh, may there be real Christians. May there be people who say, I may be poor, but, but God is with me in my poverty. I may be sick. I may be HIV positive. But God is with me in this stuff. And God will take me through onto the other side. We're not victims. We are not victims. Oh, so what? You lost the job. So what that they sacked you? 
They're just preparing you for another stage. That's the stage that you're going to be making your own money. That you realize you don't have to wait for somebody. Wait for the end of the month to get money. Oh, God is going to be planting ideas to you. Connecting you with people that will plant ideas to you. And you're going to look back and thank your boss. Thank you for sucking me. Because it opened my eyes that I can make my own money and I can employ you, my boss. No, 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 no. Your weakness is a strength. Your weakness is a strength. God is processing you. God is going to use your weakness to bring about a great thing. God is going to use your weakness to build up somebody. So don't bind it. Don't curse it. You say, Lord, thank you very much. I'll be contented in my weakness. I'll praise your name even things are not working out. I'll praise your name. Even when my family is upside down, I'll praise your name. Even when the money is not coming through. And God says, Aha, that's what I was looking for. A person who's not operating according to the outside, according to his situation, or our situation, but a person who will still look to me. When I find that one, oh, I'll take a my direction. God is saying to you, stop watching what's around you. Stop watching what is around you. Start pursuing me. You and your sickness, you and your poverty, you and your lack of intelligence, you and all the things they say, and the things that are even true about you. You don't worry what's true about you. There is only one true one, his name is Jesus. When you look to him, my friend, oh, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no has entered into the mind of man. What God has prepared for his people. I tell you, this God can do exceedingly, he can do abundantly, he can do above all that you think you can imagine according to the power that works in you. May you take that power in you. May you take the power in you. May you get into that word in you. May you get into prayer, my friend. May you be a person that seeks him. And I assure you, you will see the greatness of God. You will never be the same. You may have the same trouble. You may have the same situation. But in spite of that situation, you will still do what God has called you to do. In Jesus' Thank you for listening to the Kairos Lolongwe podcast. I trust you've been blessed. Please do us a favor and share this podcast with friends on Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and whatever social media you're on. May the Lord break you through into your kingdom destiny. Blessings.